welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Another Chinese property company is going into default on their interest payments to bondholders. This follows the the news that things were settling down last week with Evergrande, that they've come to some arrangements with their creditors. And as suspected, there's more to it than just one property company in this Chinese property bubble. And this second property giant has failed to pay debt on uh, interest to investors. And it, it could lead to, to further problems in China and maybe more companies coming forward and more companies have been affected by this and eventually lead to a collapse in the property market in China, which will have a knock-on effect for the rest of the world. On Monday, the Chinese property developer of luxury apartments, appropriately named Fantasia, because they seem to be in this fantasy world, missed a $300 million payment to lenders. And this is sparking fears that you know the financial strains on the country's overheated property sector are spreading beyond the troubles of of Evergrande. Now, in addition, the FT reports that Beijing's crackdown on on borrowing by property developers, which has partly put the squeeze on these two companies because Beijing uh, is trying to calm things down and, and get the property companies to be less indebted because they can obviously see that if, if a bubble bursts, it will cause major problems. So the government has told them to, to, to cut down on their, their borrowing, but this has caused these two problems for uh, Evergrande and Fantasia. But uh, the FT reports that this, this crackdown on that could, could lead to the end of China's love affair with, with London property. And it gives an example of a development in, in Docklands that uh, was never built. Uh, you know, seven, seven or eight years ago, they were going to build the biggest skyscraper in Europe, and it just, just hasn't happened. Uh, so are we seeing this knock-on effect of companies that have problems back home, they're not having the money to do things here? And we know that China is not happy about people taking money out of China and putting it into countries like the UK, Vancouver, uh, Australia, whatever. Uh, So this is the latest uh, Chinese debt-ridden company, Fantasia Holdings. Uh, It's a Shenzhen-based developer, which missed uh, £200 million repayment or dollar repayment on bonds on Monday. Uh, And then it missed a further payment, which I'll talk about. Uh, And the company made a statement. It's listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. And it made a statement saying that it is assessing the potential impact of the condition, the financial condition and cash position of the group. And, and meanwhile, just said we're not going to pay people. Trading in shares, uh, they're already down by 80% this year, were suspended. And uh, the property management company, uh, a separate company called Country Gardens, China's second largest developer by sales after Evergrande, reported that Fantasia had failed to repay a company loan of around 700 million yuan or $109 million. And Fantasia had informed the company that it would probably, listen to this, probably default on its external debts. 
And what, what kind of companies that were probably defaults? That means they're not going to pay them. So it's like saying, so I can't pay you. You know, I haven't got the money. It's like you lend a friend the money. You worry about it for the next year. And they come back to you and say, look, I'm probably going to default. I can't pay you. Sorry. Sorry about that. Goodbye. Uh, and this is according to uh, uh, CNN. So it, it's looking uh, uh, pretty serious out there in, in China. I, I, I still think that there will be more problems there because we know that this this property sector represents around 15% of their economy and we know that things are are, are fairly secretive there so I, I just think that now things are, are coming out uh, because of well some of these companies are listed on the Hong Kong stock exchange so these things have to be declared uh, as they're publicly listed companies but uh, I, I just think we we are going to see more of this as as the dominoes begin to fall in China. We know that there's been a massive amount of building going on there. Uh, so there's some ghost cities there. And obviously local people, uh, the average local person can't afford a luxury apartment, which are probably more expensive than, than London prices. How can they afford it when you know the average salary is, is quite low there for the average person? So I, I just think that there'll be more problems. Now, in other news, uh, in, in the UK, we had the end of the Tory party conference today in Manchester. This is the ruling party, Conservative Party, uh, and led by Prime Minister Boris Johnson. And all the parties have their conferences around about this time. It's a, it's a place, it's a, like a rally of supporters. It, it's a good place to showcase uh, possible uh, policies. They don't normally go into that much detail on policies. But it's it's a place to you know rally the troops and give a big G up and a, a rabble rousing uh, welcome to, to all the Tory supporters. Uh, Tory means conservative if you if you're watching from uh, overseas, so you might get Tory activists there, uh, councillors, MPs, ministers. Everybody gets together. You get around ten thousand people there, and Boris Johnson in his speech, the theme of which seemed to be constantly coming back to uh, stopping uncontrolled immigration uh, and he he said things like we want an end to this low wage low productivity economy which is fueled by uncontrolled immigration now what he means by that uncontrolled immigration came from the eu it came from freedom of movement within the european union it didn't come from immigration uh like like the immigration that, that i was involved with 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 recruitment, recruiting people overseas to work in the UK, in the health services, nurses or care workers, that was controlled because they had to apply for a, for a visa, they had to apply for a work permit, and the work permits were issued strictly on the basis of, of, of what was needed in the country at that time. So when when the government felt that we'd had enough nurses, enough, they switched off the tap. That was back in, what, 2011? And, you know, at that time, it became very difficult to get anybody into the country, 2011-12, when uh, you had the Cameron government came in and Theresa May was the Home Secretary. Now, again, we need nurses, so they've switched the tap back on. But that's still controlled, what you might call managed migration. But when you just open the borders on, under free movement, anybody can come in, whether they are needed in the country or not. And a lot of, you know, millions of people came in, they issued... 5 million residence permits to mostly to EU uh, citizens in the last couple of years. And, and a lot of those people are not necessarily highly skilled as, as, they, as they would be if you were recruiting scientists, nurses, doctors, teachers from, from overseas. Anybody could come in and, and then work 
as as a labourer, as a um, you know uh, someone in in a, in a cafe or in a restaurants and hospitality. And those those are the the industries that are now feeling the pinch. There's not enough manual workers. To, to deal with the hospitality, the farm working and this sort of thing. Now, businesses want the government to just switch the tap on and say, right, let's just get any, get anybody in from overseas and fill those jobs. But Boris is saying, no, it's not going to happen. And I think in the long run, it, it will prove the right decision because low, low skilled immigration doesn't benefit the country. People on, on low wages, uh, not paying very much tax, sometimes hardly any tax at all, uh, are not going to help the economy grow. And it drives down wages also for, for, for the people already here. Not to say that, you know, someone will advertise a job in Europe and say, we're going to pay you less than the UK worker. But obviously, when there's a, a, an influx of people and there's plenty of workers around, there's no incentive of the employer to pay more. In fact, they could start cutting back on, on salaries. And, and, you know, we've seen this in the building trade. We've all enjoyed, you know, the cheap Polish builder, the Romanian builder. We've all enjoyed the benefits of that and having lots of plumbers and lots of skilled tradesmen around from, from Eastern Europe. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't really benefit the economy. And, and it put a lot of other people out of business, in fact, because they were undercutted, undercut by uh, workers coming in from abroad. Now, a lot of those workers went home not because of Brexit, because of the, you know, the the, the lockdown situation. Uh, clearly, they, they weren't allowed to work. So why would they stay here paying rent when they could just go and sit it out at home? And that's what a lot of them did. And now it seems that many of those are not coming back. So we've got a driver shortage, lorry driver shortage, farm worker shortage, uh, shortage of people in hospitality. So that's part of it. They've gone away now to get back in. Many of them will need uh, to, to apply for visas and permits. Uh, some may not. Some may just decide they don't want to come back. Uh, they've got jobs elsewhere. So, so that's what's happening there. And I, I think uh, Boris is is right on this on this this issue. Uh, but it, it's funny how he mentioned it many many times. And as for driving up wages, that depends on productivity. So he wants to make Britain a more productive, higher wage economy, uh, maybe, maybe like Germany, for instance, rather than this low wage economy uh, that we've had. In the past few years, and and definitely wages have fallen behind with with the the cost of living, and that's why a lot of people are worse off. Not at the top end, but certainly at the bottom and the middle end, people are worse off. We've seen a growth in things like food banks over the last few years. We've seen more poverty at the lower end, uh, but while the super rich are getting even richer. Now, gas prices were going up by records amounts, but it seems that they may fall or they have fallen due to uh, uh, President Putin's uh, intervention by boosting production from Russia. UK wholesale gas prices have dropped after hitting a record high after Russia announced a boost in supplies to Europe. So it seems that, you know, the Putin, this enemy, Vladimir Putin, has actually done us a favour. The Russian president, uh, Vladimir Putin, calmed the market after you know fears that gas prices had risen uh, you know astronomically 37 percent in 24 hours uh, and and it got ridiculous and this is why fuel prices are going up in the uk so 
we, we hope that this this will lead to lower fuel prices because millions of people in the UK are, are have already experienced uh, an increase in their fuel prices. We're coming into winter. This could be a cold winter for many people and, and a winter of discontent for many people. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see if prices do come down because there are a lot of people in the in the country that have to decide whether they can heat or eat, particularly elderly people. Perhaps they're in big houses, they can't afford to heat them, they haven't got the income anymore. Uh, and it's even led to a, a mass rise in people taking out lifetime mortgages and equity release mortgages because, you know, basically they've simply run out of money and, and they, they need money to, to help themselves or sometimes to help family members to buy a house. Um, you know, it was a few years ago, you saved up and bought your own house. You didn't really go to your parents and say, I, I need money. But house prices have gone up exponentially compared to, to wages. Like As we were talking about the other day, asset prices have gone up, but incomes have not really followed in the same way. And asset prices have been fueled by the amount of money printing since the 2008 crisis. Since around 2009-10, they've just printed trillions of, of pounds in, 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 in uh, new money. So wholesale gas prices, we hope that that will be a benefit to the country. And talking about rising prices, consumer prices have risen now for the highest amount in 25 years. And inflation fears have risen across the world, uh, sparking fears of maybe even back to hyperinflation caused by this unprecedented money printing. Even uh, the Chancellor and, the, and Boris said today that, uh, you know, the UK now national debt is two trillion. Uh, they've spent 400 billion uh, supporting the, 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 the pandemic situation. And Rishi Sunak said the other day there was the national debt is 800% of GDP. And the markets, in fact, are predicting not a 4% inflation, they're predicting a 6% inflation, possibly leading to stagflation. Now, this goes against what the Bank of England uh, governor said and what the Federal Reserve have saying that in the autumn, inflation will rise a little bit, but then it would go down uh, and it won't continue to rise. Well, this has turned out to be absolute nonsense. And what is stagflation? Stagflation is a combination of a, a stagnation in the economy and inflation of of prices and goods and commodities. Uh, where you get most inflation is where the economy is roaring ahead and everything's going up. Productivity is going up, production is going up, wages are going up, sales are going up. But stagflation is where the overall economy is slowing down and stagnating almost, but but prices are still rising. And, and that leads to, to serious problems. I think we had this in Japan. Japan hasn't really recovered from the downturn at the end of the 80s until now. I think its stock market levels are at only, only at half what they were then when their, their, their stock market was going up by, I, I remember there was a Japanese fund in, in the company I worked for, and I think it went up by 100% in, in one year. It was, it was just crazy. And the people who piled their money into those funds later, later lost money and have never really recovered from, from those problems. Uh, so, we have to wait and see what will happen to the economy, whether we can turn things around. Uh, but it, it's looking pretty uh, difficult. And, you know, I, I'm still predicting that there will be a stock market fall in, in the near future, maybe in the next few months, maybe even sooner. And then a property price bubble will, will burst not long after that. Because if the markets are falling, if, we, if the economy is slowing, then people are just not going to have the money to keep buying houses and outbidding each other like we had in, in the summer. Now, I don't know if you were affected by Facebook's outage the other day. Facebook have restored service this week after that 
I, I, I had never heard of an outage like that. We just went down for six hours. It was national news. It was international news on, on all the TV stations. Uh, so how did that affect you? Uh, some people were unable to get in touch with each other, but other people were unable to, to, to advertise their business, to promote their business. Other people were unable to talk to relatives abroad. Other people were unable to transfer money through apps like WhatsApp. So it's it's Facebook and WhatsApp have become almost infrastructure providers now uh, in, in a way that would have normally been done by, by governments. Government would, would say, build uh, landlines into into every houses. And, and this would have been in, in much of the third world, you don't have that. But, but now people have got these mobile phones and then smartphones which have, have, have taken over the normal physical infrastructure that would have been provided. So Facebook has become very powerful. In fact, their own government in, in America is looking at breaking up Facebook because they think it, it breaks antitrust laws where it's become a monopoly and, and far too powerful. In fact, Facebook can, can really just buy out uh, any potential rivals. They can uh, crush rivals because they, they are uh, you know, a powerful company. They've got a grip on the market half the world's population are on one of their platforms. And it has been an outstanding success, uh, but many in the, in the government over in America feel that they've just become too powerful. And of course, we had this, uh, this hearing this week of the Facebook whistleblower that said they're, they're, they're ignoring the safety of, of children in, in favor of their own profits. So, so there you go, that's the story. I, I, you know, that, that Facebook have denied this, of course, Mark Zuckerberg have denied this, uh, as you would expect. But, you know, I, I, I like using Facebook. I, I find them very useful for promoting things, for advertising. Uh, yes, they, they, they maybe track my data, but then how much have I ever paid to use Facebook? Nothing. How much do I pay to make a call on WhatsApp? Nothing. You know, you used to pay two pounds a minute with, with the old British telecom days on a landline to call, say, Australia or, or Asia in the Philippines, say, two pounds a minute. And, and that was going back, what, 30 years when, you know, that was a lot of money. Uh, so people didn't make calls abroad. They might have made a call at Christmas or on someone's birthday. And then they'd be counting, you know, be looking at their watch. But now you can phone all these places all over the world for free. I can have conferences for free on on WhatsApp, Facebook or, or Zoom, as it were. But, you know, th th these um, uh, video conferences used to be very, very expensive. So I'm not worried if Facebook and Google track my data because, you know, I've, I've got an app on my phone which will get me anywhere in the world, uh, you know, on, on, on Google Maps. I, you know, the first time I, I had to, to buy anything like that, a device like that, I think it was a TomTom -tom I paid over £100 for. You know, when you had it fitted into your car, into a Mercedes, I think it was nearly £2,000. So they called it Command, you know, with built-in uh, sat, sat navigation. It was a major uh, extra on a car. But now you've got so many of these things free. So yes, I, I accept that they're tracking my data and they're, go they're going to send me advertising ads uh, trying to sell me stuff based on my 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 searches. You know that that when you search something, uh, there's a, there's a pixel there, or or uh, that they retarget you based on what you've searched. So if you go onto Google or Facebook and you're searching for flights to America, then you will see on your computer in in the next few minutes adverts for flights to America popping up all over the place. So yeah, but is that really bothering me? No, I, I'm I'm not worried. So. Uh, I, I'm happy with the services that I've been provided and, and th that's where I stand on it. So, so there you go. But what I want to ask you is, 
How did it affect you? And do you think you spend too much time on on social media? A lot of people are almost addicted to it. And, and some people admit to spending more than 10 hours a day with, with screen time, which you can check on most smartphones. But if you're just using it for entertainment, that, that's fine if, if you're having fun. Uh, could you use your time more effectively? Could you, in fact, make money on social media? Well, the answer is, of course, yes, you can. You can all learn not only how to use social media, but you can also how to learn how to, to make money on social media. In other words, you can stop wasting time on social media and start making money instead. You can learn how to make money. There's a, there's a very, very interesting web class, which uh, I, I put a link up to at the bottom here. Go and have a look at that. It's a really interesting. It's packed full of information, not just sales puff. It's it's uh, really packed with, with stuff that you can use right now to either promote your business, to sell products online, other people's products, not even your own products, or just to, to start an online business yourself. Imagine where you could you could be doing if you were earning all your income online and you didn't have to get on that that train or that bus in the morning. And imagine what it would be like if you could live anywhere in the world and work from anywhere in the world, work from a beach, work from a mountain, work from anywhere with a, with a, a, a Wi-Fi connection. Imagine if you become a, a nomad capitalist or, or someone who leads the laptop lifestyle from anywhere in the world. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Well, this is possible and a lot of people are already doing it. So check out that, that um, free web class. It's, it's about an hour and a half, but it really is packed with information. And I'm, I'm sure you can learn how to stop wasting time on social media and how to start making money on social media and earning money online and building a real business at very little cost, minimal cost compared to building a physical business. So do check out that link. And, you know, what have you got to lose? Nothing. You've got nothing to lose and everything to, to gain. So check it out. And I will speak to you again very soon. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 